After we completed the training, we're now doing double the number of client profiles per month. It really hit home for me providing training was small, keep them engaged, keep everyone participating, and you'll have a huge win at the end. That, that format was just so easy to follow and, and helped a tremendous amount to adopt financial planning in, in our practice. But we really wanted to focus on the value of the tool first and the value that we were extending to the client and doing it the right way because anybody can check a box. Be very, very conscious when you're thinking about the training of the difference between training on functionality and training on strategic usage and of the effect that it has on your relationship with the clients and how to leverage financial planning to really create a trust-based relationship. We both admitted that we were kind of stuck because we, we, we hesitated to put a plan that was incorrect or not completely correct in front of a client. And the biggest takeaway I think from that training was it's okay if it's not correct. That's actually better because they'll likely correct you and show I actually have much more of a net worth. I actually have these assets at XYZ firms. Right now, I think that it's really the benefit of the financial planning we're seeing our managed business skyrocket over traditional brokerage business and I think it really is this complete approach. My revenue has doubled this year and I have to give at least 90% of that credit to financial planning. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Stathis Mattel Industry Leadership and Success Podcast Series. This series focuses on industry leading performance success stories, and key business intelligence that will help you meet your leadership objectives. This episode is a case study on how to increase financial planning adoption and the resulting program productivity gains. We will talk with two program executives, a trainer, and an advisor to learn about the effective training strategies, success measurement, and business impact. This episode is made possible by the support from Midwood Financial and we'd like to thank them for their partnership in producing this podcast. And now I'll turn it over to our hosts, Scott Stathis and Bob Mattel. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Industry Leadership and Success, which is inspired by a recent article in BISA's Portfolio Magazine. Today, we're going to be doing a case study on increasing the amount of financial planning being done in a bank program. So I'm Scott Stathis. I'll be your host, along with Bob Mattel, who will introduce himself shortly. So increasing the amount of financial planning being done in our channel has been a cornerstone of our transition from being transactional oriented to being more needs-based and relationship oriented. However, it's easier said than done. Uh, most advisors in our channel are still not utilizing financial planning to the degree that they should. So today we're going to explore a bank program that seems to be getting it right by leveraging a unique partnership with their investment product distribution partner. That said, we'd like to thank our friends at Midwood for their support of this podcast. And with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Bob Mattel. Bob? Well, thank you, Scott. I am Bob Mattel, and I am the co-host of today's podcast. This is one in our series called Industry Leadership and Success. And you will definitely get a flavor of success today. Uh, that article definitely set the stage for today's podcast and is one of the participants in writing that article, I've kind of had a preview of what you're going to hear today. You're gonna to hear financial planning at its best. So it's great to be here to bring an article 
to life. And with that being said, let's get in and meet our panel. Ken, let's start with you. Great. Thanks, Bob and Scott. Um, so I'm Ken Flaherty. I'm the Chief Sales Strategy Officer. And in that role, I'm responsible for, in addition to strategy, our offering. And I also oversee the advisor team and their sales support structure. Um, I'll give you a little bit of overview of our program. We're part of Frost Bank in Texas, solely based in Texas. We have 45 advisors, and we just crossed over $10 billion in assets uh, under management recently. All right. Thanks so much. Angela. Good morning, Bob and Scott. I'm Angela Holiday. I'm president of Frost Brokerage Services and Frost Investment Services. So we are a hybrid firm doing brokerage and managed business. Thanks, Angela. And we are so lucky to have our feet on the street today. And we'll let Marco go next. Good morning. My name is Marco Rodriguez. I am a wealth advisor here in San Antonio, Texas with Frost Brokerage Services and Frost Investment Services. Uh, my role is to help clients both with financial planning and investment management to help them make smart decisions uh, based on their needs that they bring to our conversation. Awesome. Thanks so much. And from Midwood, we have Jen Shields. Jen. Good morning, everyone. I'm Jen Shields, the National Training Director with Midwood Financial. Midwood was founded in 2000, and we distribute annuity products exclusively with bank and within the bank channel. Uh, about five years ago, they brought me over to head up and develop the training program, which was unique in the industry at that time. Bringing on a training team that was separate from wholesaling um, was a huge initiative. We really focus on bringing value add to our clients. So what that means when we go out to meet with our clients, it's truly really analyzing and figuring out any of the needs where gaps exist that we can help provide training. So as you're gonna to learn today, we found out very soon that financial planning was a gap that we really could partner and help our clients with. So again, from the training side, we focus on that value add piece and we still have the wholesaling team out there on the sales side distributing the product. So it's a win-win for Midwood for our clients and their clients. It's a great opportunity. Well, and again, thanks so much uh, for you being on the panel today. And actually, I have to throw in there that I was with Dime Savings Bank and was one of the first clients of Midwood back in 2000. So come a long way, 21 years later, now we're hosting a podcast with Midwood. So awesome. Well, let's get right into it. You know, financial planning has come a long way over the years. You know, we're really transitioning from selling products to providing financial advice and engaging clients to utilize financial planning. So let me start, Angelo, with asking you a question. What was the inspiration behind launching this financial planning initiative, and what was the inspiration behind your partnership with Midwood? So to your point about the evolution of the industry, that really was the catalyst to change behaviors. Um, looking at how the industry moved from product-centric to advice, we've been offering investment advice since late 90s. And how do we do that more comprehensively? We had to tackle that question, especially the evolution of the industry, the evolution of the client, what clients' expectations had, in, had evolved into. So from values and needs, we wanted to be able to offer a holistic advice. And what does that better than financial planning? So in 2019, we started trying to level set 
set the table and prep our advisors for financial planning. So we did have a one year long incentive program where we wanted to incent advisors to do financial planning, to make that a focus because we knew in 2020, that was our expectation as a firm. We wanted that to be the hallmark of our organization, that we wanted to focus on advice, of course, rather than product. So um, meeting with Midwood was, it ended up, we started speaking the same language around training and how there had been not this focus on the application of a financial planning tool as opposed to the features of the tool. So a lot of what we were getting from eMoney was, this is how the tool works. This is, you know, these are the features, these are the bells and whistles, but that doesn't extrapolate to an advisor. How do I use it? How do I use it in these conversations? How do I transition these conversations? How do I use it to address some of these needs? So when talking with Midwood, it was like the light bulb came on that this is about application. This isn't about a training that you sit and you hear how the tool works one time and you go out and now you're an expert. It's about a gradual progression with advisors and showing them how to apply it with the client. And when you get stuck, what does that look like? And when you get different scenarios and how you have support from someone who understands what you're actually trying to accomplish. So it just seemed to be a perfect fit that we were both speaking the same language on what we wanted to accomplish. And it could be this ongoing training. Can you explain, or maybe Ken, how it evolved and give us an overview of the initiative? Yeah, sure, Bob. So I joined Frost in June of 2020. And that's when Jen was having discussions with the sales management team. They were just starting to think about that the next level of training. So as I got involved in that, we were a couple months into the virtual world and you're on these you know, Zoom calls with 50 people. There's not a lot of dialogue or interaction. So we really focused on, I wanted it to be small groups, a regional setting that we did them. And we, had, we uh, came up with a calendar of topics for four weeks. So it was one call a week. And I wanted to keep the content, you know, the time manageable. So when working with Jen, we came up with 40 minutes of content. And then we'd leave 20 minutes of peer best practices at the end. So again, that's where we really started to get the engagement of the advisors and even things just as simple as one of the advisor, a different one each week would be the lead that would be sharing the screen on the case and going through the inputs. And as we use the module. So again, that just got people more comfortable with it. We had a lot of great dialogue. The feedback was so good. Remember, Jen, we came back and said, we want to go a couple more weeks, you know, in the region. So, I mean, we really got the positive feedback from the advisors. So, Jen, I have to I have to pass on to you for, for a second here to just follow up on that. In the middle of COVID, I think is what he said, right? Absolutely. We were. It was the summer of 2020. So really, everybody was just getting used to the virtual settings. So we were right there in the middle of it, trying to figure out how can we still keep that momentum going around the financial planning training. And to me, it was a big win to keep the group small and keep them consistent. Keeping that small and getting the engagement to me right off the bat was very key. It wasn't a typical call where you're going to join and you can multitask. It was, you were going to be involved, engaged and participating. Even if you weren't driving, you were still guiding the conversation as the advisor 
Um, so they were, I, I gotta say, it really hit home for me in general with providing training was small, keep them engaged, keep everyone participating, and you'll have a huge win at the end. Great. Well, it sounds like it has uh, accomplished exactly what the desired result was. Let me pass it on to Scott. Yeah. And, uh, and Marker, did you have a thought? Yeah, I just, being a part of one of those small groups, I just had to compliment Jen. I mean, really, it made it so much easier. I, I am one that learns by doing, not by just sitting and listening and taking notes. And that the format was just so easy to follow and, and helped a, a tremendous amount to adopt financial planning in, in our practice. So kudos, Jen. Yeah, and and um, I, there, there are a couple of points that you guys made that I want to reinforce. But Ken, let me uh, I know you have a comment you want to add on. So let me let you go first. Yeah, and I just wanted to one other thing I wanted to mention, too, is that um, Jen had uh, pre-work for the sessions a, and a case study. So, again, a, and the advisors, you know, put the time in and did that. It wasn't onerous. It wasn't, you know, a long time, but um, that also helped as well. And I just want to echo what Marco said, just, you know, Jen's energy and passion. I think you can hear that <laughs> as she talks, but I mean, that that was great as well. Yeah, well, it makes a difference, right? Passion makes all the difference in the world. So a couple of things that were said that I thought were really interesting. And, and, and one key concept here that I think is so critical for uh, anybody listening that's thinking of launching or improving a, a financial planning initiative, and that is to be, be very, very conscious when you're thinking about the training of the difference between training on, on functionality and training on strategic usage and effect, right? The effect that it has on your relation, just focus your resources elsewhere. I mean, just, just quickly, some perspective from yeah. your view of that. I don't, you know, the funny thing is I, I don't give up on anyone. So uh, the key, the key difference is communication, right? I mean, and honestly with Frost, what Frost brings to the table that I think you have to, if you're going to roll out a training and really set really high expectations is communication. And what's question? No pressure. No pressure at all. This might go viral. Who knows? Um, you're, you're obviously a successful wealth advisor at Frost. You know, what has it done to your business? I know uh, Ken was talking about a 20% uh, upward trend in profiles and then doubling again in the last quarter. I think he mentioned client discovery really increasing. Talk to those thousands that are going to hear you. What has it done for your practice? Well, to, to Angela's point, I, I don't really focus on the numbers too much. The actions are what bring the numbers. But I did take a peek at that just to be able to reference it today. Um, my revenue has doubled this year. So I, I will actually almost double what our revenue has been for our practice individually this year. And I have to give at least 90% of that credit to financial planning. It's really streamlined my process. 95% of the clients I work with, we run a financial plan. And to Jen's earlier comment, you know, some of them are much more complex than take time to develop and work over time. And some of them are fairly simple uh, to just kind of be the proof in the concept of why we're doing what we're doing. You know, even before we fully adopted financial planning, the way we and my colleagues have always run our businesses is needs-based planning. But I think what this has done is just given us a way to illustrate in a very simple way, why are we recommending what we're recommending? Living in a Reg BI world, that helps us even more uh, because it illustrates that. 
but secondarily, you know, I think a lot of my business has been from the amazing colleagues I have here in the bank, giving new referrals, new prospects, what have you. But I have seen a tremendous increase in referrals from existing clients. And I think that's a direct reflection of financial planning and the confidence that they're walking away with and the confidence they have in our relationship. So it's helped a ton. Awesome. And again, to our listeners, he credits 90% of his success to utilizing financial planning. And again, I think you're using e-money, so a plug for e-money as well. You know, I'm going I'm to ask a follow-up question that I was going to ask later. But so we have a before and after picture here. Before this initiative, you know, what did you think of financial planning? What, what was it all about? I mean, so give me a reaction before and, and now. Sure, sure. You know, I think I was certainly open to the idea. I was not closed off to the idea. I saw the, the planning. Actually, my predecessor had already started that initiative early on. And uh, Nancy Thomas, she had already adopted that. And um, I knew that it was complex. To her own admission, it's a very robust system. And really, it's the training we did with Jen that helped get over that hump. I think I was just more reluctant to not put a finished product in front of a client. And, and that was the only reluctance I think I had. Because again, we always worked from a needs-based holistic type of plan, maybe a scratch piece of paper that we were doing this, but it was always in that, that vein or that light that we were trying to plan for that client's needs. Um, you know, truthfully, RegBI has only just added more, more documentation for us. I mean, it hasn't changed what we do here at Frost. But after the training with Jen, it just made it made it easier to see kind of some similar ways, easy ways to present what could be a complex solution, um, kind of just a polished presentation that I could feel confident putting that in front of them. And not to mention specifically the goal planning side, which is more of an interactive tool that we could use with clients in the discussion rather than just putting a 40 page paper that is a financial plan in front of that client. You know, specifically there was a prospect that came to Frost because they said, my advisor put a 40 page financial plan in front of me. I don't even know what this is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking at. And we reran a plan together. So it really, I think it was this initial hurdle of getting over the complexity or the how to, if you will, of being able to use the software easily. Back to Scott. Yeah. So, uh, Marco, a couple, a couple follow-on thoughts. This is a question. So, there's, there's this interesting dynamic in our channel that is frustrating, and that is that if you look at the penetration of investment accounts into our bank households, we're, we've been stagnant for for a long time as a as a channel at four or five percent. Right, which is which is really awful. I mean, that's it's only four or five percent of of the bank clients have an investment account. Really, we can do a lot better than that, right? Planning is one of the secret sauces to increase that. But there are there's some interesting dynamics in our industry that um, probably don't get enough attention. One of them is what I'll call working the bank, right? And the key to working the bank, and this is this is eventually going to be a question, so bear with me for a second. <laughs> the key to working the bank is gaining the trust of some of the critical people within the bank system that can send you really good referrals, whether that be the loan officers, business bankers. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know your structure as well as you do, but there are those people in the bank that if you gain their trust, because you're working the bank, you're going to get really high quality referrals and you will have partners within the bank as well, which is really the place you want to be. I believe 
that if you do a good job with financial planning and concurrently do a good job promoting the fact that you're doing planning for bank clients in the bank, you're going to get more referrals because all of a sudden you're going to be trusted more by the officers in the bank and the, the people that are you know, in those positions to send you referrals. So is that also part of the equation that you see getting better and better for you? It, it is. Um, I think having been here with Frost 12 years, nine years in our investment side of the house here, I think cultivating strong relationships with even just our tellers and personal bankers who are kind of the front lines and see new deposits coming in or a big withdrawal coming in, you know, that's an easy way to cultivate some new business and making sure they know what we do. Um, it's kind of funny because one of our branches, we had kind of a turnover of our tellers and it was maybe a few weeks in and I walked up to them and I asked them, do you all know what I do? And they said, well, you're on the phone a lot. I said, okay, <laughs> that means we need to have a meeting and make sure you know what I do. But I think what I lead with in any new relationship here at the bank is, is really financial planning, You know, providing a plan to show them this is at the heart of what we do. And yes, we do use investment products to make that plan if it's appropriate, but that's what we do. I'm very systematic in how we run our business. So there's a lot of action steps that I focus on from a monthly, quarterly, annual basis to make sure that we're in front of those partners. Uh, but part of our, our setup here is our private bankers are looking for the same clients that we're looking for, you know, high net worth individuals that are looking for more complex planning needs. And I'm a, a bit spoiled that I have a phenomenal private banker here that I work well with here at my, my home office. But that also means the other clients that maybe have their other individual private bankers that just cultivating those relationships, whether it's a quick lunch or what have you to, to meet with them. Cool. That's good for you. Keep, keep up the good work, Angela. <laughs> so, and just to add on to Marco, Feet on the street is exactly you know what he's doing day in and day out with his local partners. But we have to look even from a management perspective about the penetration dilemma, where you know we're not getting that penetration, and you do have to be able to have a conversation with bank management about what you do. The bank doesn't really understand exactly what you do, and so financial planning has been that tether to understanding, having a conversation, showing them financial planning. These are the actions that resonate to them and it makes it a little bit more digestible to them. You know, I think that investments clearly it's com it's complex. And if you want to go have a conversation with a bank partner and you make it as complex as it is, then their eyes glaze over and they don't know exactly what you do, but taking some of the mystique out of it, our mission statement is making people's lives better. And how do we do that? And this is the most intimate way to be able to work with clients and talk about their, you know, their financial plans, to talk about their wealth, to talk about their needs. And so for us to be able to come in and say, this is what we do. And then it's been really useful for us from a corporate perspective to have that conversation and to start partnering with the bank on some initiatives that we're currently undergoing consumer partnership where we're getting in front of more clients with checking accounts, that we've got a new version of a checking account and we're tacking on investments. So it does help us to have that conversation and then to be able to evidence what we're talking about with this robust tool. So that's been really helpful for us too. 
Yeah, uh, that's great. And you said something that's very interesting. And this is just one quick side thought uh, that you make people's lives better. Bob and I on some of our podcasts have had discussions about the the need to do a better job of recruiting um, people out of colleges into our industry and how the message has to change for that recruiting. Um, and that that point, making people's lives better is very relevant because what uh, college students these days react to is social relevance. And if you can if you can position what we do from the standpoint of social relevance, because there's a ton of social relevance, if you're really doing your job, you're going to better be able to recruit people into this industry that look like the college population, right? Which, which is very diverse. And that's one of the things that this industry wants to do. If we can be effective in, in communicating that message of the social relevance of what we do in our recruiting practices as well, that that's a win-win. So, all right. So Angela, I want to keep you on point and, and Ken too, you can add to this. Um, so as you look at where you were and where you are now uh, relative to this financial planning initiative, what has it done for program revenue? How has it affected advisory business growth, asset gathering, uh, client loyalty, or any of those other important factors that you, that you might look at? So maybe Angela, you can start off and then Ken, you can layer into that. Sure. So our revenue for this year, we're up 20%. And so do we track back exactly to the dollar, the plans? No, we don't. Um, but we know that the adoptions have increased. We know that the efficiency is much better. And so all of that ties into the activities that then lead to the revenue. So we are having an amazing year. And I think to the point of um, client loyalty, one of the things that we experienced in 2020 where we saw a lot of growth, we saw more new money than new clients. So again, having a tool to be able to mine, mine further with clients and find other opportunities or to be able to look at a plan and say, hey, you know, your investment advisor at the other organization, what are they talking to you about? Well, I hadn't heard from them yet. So let's go ahead and let's update your plan. We were able to gather more assets because we were on the phones during the pandemic, on video calls during the pandemic, having those discussions where you you saw our more senior advisors were finding all additional opportunities by going through the plan where we were hearing client compliments that, you know, I didn't get so worried during the pandemic because I had a plan. We stuck to the plan. So a lot of emails from clients that, you know, I'm, I'm on target. This was already factored into my plan, offered a lot of confidence, a lot of comfort to clients, and it opened up opportunities for advisors. So it was a great partnership. Simultaneously with Midwood, we're having these conversations where we could be able to show our not senior advisors the benefits of financial planning and to be able to show them those testimonies as well as to be able to train them in that way that, you know, this is the success that the senior advisors are having with this because they know the value of it. This is how you can implement this in your business and to be able to see the client loyalty, that you're the first call that they're making, that you're able to gather more assets. And so I think that all of it, you know, there will be a day that we'll unpack every single number. But right now, I think that it's really the benefit of the financial planning where we're seeing our managed business skyrocket over traditional brokerage business. We're seeing all of that happen. And I think it really is this complete approach. Nice. Ken, do you have a few thoughts to add to that? 
Yeah, and I was just going to add back within when Angela said, you know, we're up 20% in the revenue. When you dig down into that a little bit deeper, so up 20% on top of what was our best quarter ever. So, you know, that 20% is, yeah, we feel good about that. That's pretty impressive. You know, we're seeing that primarily in the managed revenue. You know, we've had, you know, real tremendous growth there in the assets, but also we've had a big uptick in our annuities. And a lot of that goes to the income planning focus in this training with the financial planning tool and really focusing, you know, where are the opportunities for, you know, income planning um, solutions and annuities. So we're starting to see more growth in there as well. Well, and, and that's good to hear. And that um, kind of reflects back on Midwood and, and Jen. So uh, Bob has a, a question for you that I think is going to be a, a wrap-up question. But obviously, Midwood and Jen, your training has been a catalyst for all of this, right? So congratulations. So Bob has a question for you. And maybe one of the things you can also give us some insight uh, into any of the critical factors that you see as important to increasing uh, adoption based on, you know, the success that, that you've had. So Bob, let me, let me hand it back to you. Right. And, and this will be, uh, as we said, our final question for our listeners out there that have been uh, listening as they've been driving or working out or whatever. Um, so, you know, Midwood's been in business for over 20 years um, and they've always been looked at as, as this wholesaling organization. And, and now we have training in there. So what inspired Midwood to add that that new value proposition to the practice? You, you know, I think in general, it was heard loud and clear from our clients. My goal um, as a Midwood employee is to get to know our clients. And to get to know the clients is doing a gap analysis. Where is it that we can support you? And I think that's that's a lot to it as far as making sure that we truly understand their initiatives, their business, where they want to see their program going. And what we just found is that financial planning, a lot of our accounts had brought in software, regardless of what the software was. And so what we had found is how could we improve or increase usage with that system? So we just listened right? So from Midwood's perspective, we just listened to our clients, to our prospects on what they needed. Um, and I, that means a lot, you know, and that's even for advisors working with clients. You got to, we got to listen. We got to see what it is they want to accomplish with their life and their money. And we got to be there to support them. Same thing with us. Midwood needs to be there to support our clients and we have to listen. We listened and we heard loud and clear financial planning was out there and they wanted to do more and doing more holistic plans, not only help them, but help the client. So I think that was a domino uh, effect as far as helping everyone. Um, the key to success has been you got to you gotta plan for it. You just don't want to come in and haphazardly throw training. You want to plan for it. And you want to understand your audience. You have different levels. So my approach to any account is, you know, looking at who's foundational level, who needs, as Angela mentioned earlier, who needs the, just how to use the system, who's in the applicational side, um, as far as who can apply it, and then who's in the targeted, which really more advanced side. So again, just giving them the opportunity to be heard and to understand and to provide that training for them. 
It's amazing that listening and communications is the key to uh, a partnership. Sounds so simple, but so limited in practice. So kudos to you and to uh, Angela and the whole team at uh, at Frost and Midwood for uh, accomplishing good listening skills. <laughs> well, hey, Bob, you know, it's ironic here. And that is that, you know, we as an industry and managers try and promote to our advisors that the the most important element of what you do is discovery. Because if you truly understand your clients and what motivates their financial decisions, you're going to gain their trust and you're going to be on their side. Well, ironically, that's the same job that Jen and Midwood has, right? It all starts with discovery. And you've implied that, Jen, right? The first thing you had to do is truly understand what the needs of your client, in this case, Frost, uh, were, and then tailor what you're doing to those needs. But it doesn't stop at that because you have 45 advisors you're working with, and each one of them are in a different place. And so you have to do discovery with each, each one of them to, to a degree, tailor what you're doing for each one of them so you can move the needle with each one of them. But it's, it's, it's all about discovery. So, uh, so we're going to wrap this up. We appreciate all of your thoughts and comments. And I think there's been some very valuable nuggets here for, for our listeners. So thank you all. Marco, we always appreciate having an advisor on our podcasts. In my opinion, it doesn't happen often enough because you know, you guys keep it real and congratulations on your success and doubling revenue to all of our listeners out there. I mean, Marco is pretty much ascribing the doubling of revenue to the practice of financial planning. That's important. So for those of you that are hesitant, it's time to get off the dime. So congrats, Marco. And again, thanks to all of you, Bob, let me hand it back to you for some wrap up comments. Absolutely. Thanks, Scott. And uh, as many of our recurring listeners know, I always come up with the top three takeaways that I jot down during our, our podcast. And for this, I have number one is trusted advisors get referrals straight from Marco's mouth to the thousands of listeners out there. Do not forget that. Number two, everyone needs some level of financial planning to make their lives better. And think about that when you're recruiting as well. That's what we're in the business for, making people's lives better. And the third one, discovery in every aspect of your business, with your partnerships and with your customers. Partnerships work when communications are ongoing. So again, kudos to our our panel. So I hope you all enjoyed that uh, podcast. It was great to see the article that we had on BISA Portfolio come to life. And for all listeners out there, please subscribe. And thank you all for listening and for your participation on today's podcast. Thanks again, everybody. Bye, all. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Industry Leadership and Success. We hope you found the discussion enjoyable and valuable. Also, don't forget to check out our two other podcast series, Untangling FinTech and BISA Industry Trend Watch. Finally, We'd like to thank the professionals who joined us today and also express a sincere appreciation to our friends at Midwood Financial for their support in this podcast and for being so rewarding to work with. Please subscribe to our podcast and join us again for future episodes.